The following program is a recording of a live broadcast transmitted 7 a.m. Beijing time. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you by China Radio International. Shane Bigham with you on this Friday, May 17th, 2019. You're listening to the Beijing Hour, live from the Chinese capital. And coming up on the program this morning, the International Conference on Artificial Intelligence and Education is underway in Beijing. China has a plan to boost digital technologies in rural areas to spur development. And the U.S. has ordered all non-essential personnel to leave Iraq amid rising tensions with neighboring Iran. In business, rising inflows of foreign direct investment in China. In sports, a record-breaking round at the PGA Championships. Entertainment, an Indian movie star says he wants to promote Chinese films back home. First of all, a check of the day's headline news. Chinese authorities have said they'll not participate in any trilateral nuclear arms control talks. The U.S. State Department Undersecretary Andrea Thompson suggested bringing China into negotiations with Russia and the United States about a treaty that'll restrict all three parties' development of nuclear weapons. In response, a Chinese government spokesperson said the country's determined to follow a path of peaceful development. The spokesperson said China's defense expenditure is moderate and reasonable adding that its nuclear forces have always been maintained at the minimum level required to ensure national security. The fourth U.S.-China Innovation and Investment Summit is underway in Houston, Texas. Nearly 70 U.S. companies, as well as around 50 Chinese enterprises from Changsha, Shenzhen, and Beijing, are participating in the event. The two-day conference will feature a range of events, including innovation forums, B2B matchmaking, and company exhibits. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio has announced he's seeking the 2020 Democratic nomination for U.S. President. de Blasio is the 23rd Democrat joining that crowded race. He'll compete with rivals including uh, Vice, uh, former Vice President Joe Biden and Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont. He was first elected mayor of New York City in 2013 and retained office in 2017. A critic of the White House's immigration policy, de Blasio has also championed the fight against climate change. The International Red Cross says the Democratic Republic of Congo has had an alarming increase in Ebola cases in recent weeks. It says nearly 1,700 cases have been recorded up to May 11th, and 20% of the cases occurred in the past three weeks. Since the outbreak started in August of last year, more than 1,100 people have died, making this the second deadliest Ebola outbreak in history. The International Federation of Red Cross and Red Crescent Societies says the Ebola response in the country faces a double jeopardy of insecurity and critical underfunding. An IFRC official says they're working to prevent Ebola from spreading to urban areas where it'll be much more difficult to control. Two giant pandas have returned to China after staying in the United States for years. 27-year-old female giant panda Bayun and her 6-year-old son arrived in Sichuan province Thursday after the San Diego Zoo's conservation loan agreement with China ended. As the first panda on loan, Bayun arrived at the San Diego Zoo in 1996. The cuddly panda soon became an iconic image of the zoo. The pandas have been settled in the Dujiangyan base of the China Conservation and Research Center for Giant Pandas. Next Experts say the chubby bears are in good condition.
For breaking news and stories that matter to you, find us on Twitter by searching for China Plus News, where we'll share with you our up-to-the-minute news, in-depth analysis, and live streaming videos. Visit China Plus News for your window on China and the world. Four minutes past the hour. The International Conference on Artificial Intelligence and Education is in full swing here in Beijing. President Xi Jinping has sent a congratulatory letter to that event, saying that China is willing to work with other countries in discussing frontier issues about AI, as well as measures against the background of AI's rapid development. Education Minister Chen Baosheng says China is planning to set up 50 AI institutes, research academies, and interdisciplinary research centers by 2020. It's an important mission for education to grasp the development trend of global artificial intelligence, identify the breakthrough and direction of development, and foster ranks of artificial intelligence talents with creative capabilities and teamwork spirit. Armenian Minister of Education and Science Areg Harutunyan says many innovative technology centers have been set up in Armenia to provide free digital media training for teenagers. The students explore complementary skills such as 3D modeling, music, robotics, drawing. The next one is today more than 300 armored engineering laboratories operating in Armenia. More than. 6,500 students involved in these programs get free education. At Armad Engineering Laboratories, children from age 10 to 18 are introduced to science, technology, engineering, and math education through interactive after-school classes, exciting competitions, innovative camps. Slovenian Deputy Prime Minister Jurne Piccolo says AI requires wide international cooperation, which will help to eliminate the inequality of AI development among countries. And that's why we have to be mindful that we create local, and I repeat, local, sustainable ecosystems of the AI technology, AI teaching, and so on, where we can further develop. This and then this needs to be connected in a global way, and this is where I call on upon you, my dear colleagues, fellow ministers, to shift our perceptions to go on and work together, because this is something where we can really achieve things. And also great goals. The state council issued a plan for new generation AI in 2017, saying the AI industry should become a major new growth engine. In the same year, China's AI enterprises represented 70 percent of the global AI investment and 31 percent of global AI investment transactions. The National Development and Reform Commission estimates that artificial intelligence will drive global GDP gains to of over 15.7 trillion U.S. dollars. By 2030, researchers, tech industry leaders, and policymakers have gathered in Tianjin to attend a major conference on artificial intelligence. The third World Intelligence Congress includes forums, exhibitions, and competitions for unmanned cars and drones. Tech companies Huawei, Alibaba, and General Electric are attending that event. Participants have said that while AI is projected to drive global GDP gains of over 15.7 trillion U.S. dollars by 2030, social ethics and social governance are posing potential challenges. They've stressed the need to develop ethical applications of artificial intelligence.
Authorities say plans have been made to promote the application of digital technologies in rural areas to boost local development as a step towards rural modernization and transformation. Digital rural development plays a crucial role in rural revitalization and building a digital China. China's vowed to achieve initial development of building digital villages by 2020, with 4G internet accessible or accessibility to more than 98% of the administrative villages. With the upgrading of internet technology, 2025 will see a notable narrowing of the urban-rural digital gap. By the middle of the century, digital villages will be completely built nationwide to advance rural revitalization. More efforts will be made to boost the rural digital economy. Ecological protection in rural areas with digital technologies will also be strengthened. China's Ministry of Commerce has urged the United States to stop abusing the concepts of national security and export control measures. The comments uh, come after U.S. President Donald Trump signed an executive order on Wednesday that's expected to restrict Huawei from selling its products in the United States. On the same date, the U.S. Commerce Department said it's adding Huawei and its 70 affiliates to an entity list which will ban the company from buying parts and components of U.S. companies without prior government approval. Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesman Liu Kang says the concept of national security should not be used as a tool for trade protectionism. China resolutely opposes any country to impose unilateral sanctions against Chinese entities based on domestic laws, generalize the concept of national security, and abuse export control measures. China urges the U.S. to stop the wrong actions, create conditions for normal business and cooperation between enterprises of China and the United States, and avoid worsening the trade tensions. China will take further necessary measures to firmly protect the legitimate rights and interests of Chinese enterprises. He's called on the U.S. to create conditions for normal international trade cooperation. Huawei said that it's ready and willing to engage with the U.S. government to come up with effective measures to ensure product security. In response to the ban on Huawei buying parts from U.S. companies, the company said such a decision will harm U.S. companies, affect tens of thousands of U.S. jobs, and disrupt the current collaboration and mutual trust that exists in the global supply chain. Huawei has more than 13,000 component and service suppliers worldwide. In November, it unveiled a list of its 92 core suppliers for the first time. 33 of them are from the United States, including chip giants Qualcomm and Intel. Experts from think tanks and culture officials attending a forum in Beijing have called for joint efforts to foster cultural diversity. The forum has been held as part of the ongoing Conference on Dialogue of Asian Civilizations. And CRI's Guoyan has more. Participants at the conference said that mutual learning and exchanges will help to strengthen friendships and resolve conflicts among people from different cultural backgrounds. Cambodia's Minister of Information, Kyu Kanharis, suggested that diversity is an important element for Asia cultures. Seeking to understand each civilization is to know the mindset of specific community, to understand why in face of same problem, different community could adopt different response. Knowing different civilization is understanding each other, make us humble, not arrogant and lead to a more cooperation conducing to more prosperity and dialogues. 
The minister echoed remarks made by Chinese President during his keynote speech at the opening of the conference. President Xi stressed the need to ensure openness, inclusiveness, and mutual learning among civilizations. Professor Zheng Yongnian of the National University of Singapore said mutual understanding is essential for civilizations to maintain their vitality. The future development of civilizations depends on their openness. Globalization has been a driving force for the development of civilizations. The more inclusive the civilization is, the faster it will develop. While some people on the other side of the ocean talk about conflicts among civilizations, we talk about inclusiveness. I think the latter is a trend for civilizations. Hernan Lombardi is the head of Argentina's federal system of media and public content. He spoke highly about President Xi's keynote speech, saying that the conference helps even small countries to have their voice heard. We must replace the poor idea of struggle of civilizations for the much more intelligent concept of cooperation of civilizations. Every country, big or small, have the same right to contribute in these 21st centuries. Mutual learning is one of the key words of President Xi Jinping's speech this morning. Mutual learning is what we are doing in this memorable conference. People from across Asia and beyond have gathered in Beijing for the wide variety of events that are taking place alongside the Conference on Dialogue of Asian Civilizations. Aside from forums and talks, artists, movie lovers, and foodies have come to the Chinese capital to enjoy the cultural and food festivals that are a celebration of Asian cultures. For CRI, this is Guo Yan. Officials of international organizations have applauded the ongoing conference on dialogue of Asian civilizations in Beijing. UN General Assembly President Maria Fernanda Espinosa says the conference comes at a very timely moment. Well, I think it's very timely. Uh, it is uh, um, very important uh, that we establish channels of dialogue, of understanding, of uh, of uh, uh, mutual uh, learning uh, between different cultures and civilizations. I think that, unfortunately, we are living times of uh, emerging uh, hate speech uh, and uh, uh, different forms of discrimination. So I think that any efforts geared towards uh, harmony, uh, dialogue, understanding, um, and mutual learning among civilizations is extremely welcome. Uh, and as I say, it comes a, at a very, very uh, timely moment. And she also echoed uh, what President Xi Jinping said on the importance of mutual respect and equal treatment among civilizations. I could not agree more uh, with uh, uh, President uh, Xi Jinping uh, on that uh, opinion. I think, as mentioned, we are all equal and we all share uh, the same race, which is the human race and humankind. So we are all equal and we have diversity of histories, uh, diversity of cultures. This is precisely what makes the world uh, an uh, a very fascinating place. This is the wealth of humanity, uh, cultural diversity. 
China was the first country Espinosa visited after she took the position of UN General Assembly President, and she said she had a good time here and learned a lot. Under the theme Exchanges and Mutual Learning Among Asian Civilizations in a Community with a Shared Future, the CDAC includes a number of parallel forums, and it all lasts until May 22nd. Want to know what's trending in China? China Plus News Facebook page helps you to discover the real China. From the latest news to quirky Chinese inventions, videos, photos, live streaming, and more, join in the conversation today by searching for China Plus News on Facebook and discover its news, its people, its traditions and culture. China Plus News Facebook page. Open your eyes to the real China. Seventeen minutes past the hour, the U.S. State Department has ordered the exit of non-emergency employees from Iraq amid rising tensions between the U.S. and Iraq's neighbor Iran. Staff at the embassy in Baghdad and the consulate in Erbil uh, must leave as soon as possible. The U.S. military says the threat level in the Middle East has been raised. Uh, for more on this, CRI's Zhao Ying spoke to Dr. Wang Jin, research fellow of the Syria Research Center of Northwest University. So first of all, what exactly are some U.S. embassy? Why are they being ordered to leave the country? Okay, because during the past,、uh, actually during the past years, that、uh, the, the United States、uh, increasingly felt that uh, their uh, their uh, embassy staff and also the, the United States citizens' security in Iraq became more and more sensitive issue. Because on the one hand,、uh, in some parts of the the, the, the country inside Iraq, especially in the Basra, for example, in the the very、uh, southern center of the of the Iraq, where United States has a consulate there. Uh, the uh, they emerged the the protest and demonstration against the Iraqi central government, and they believe the United States did very little to help the Iraqi local people there. And also, this demonstration, the protest, forced the United States even to close the consulate for quite a long time. And、uh, so, this is the social instability and the social unrest forced the United States to reconsider the situation level there. Where on the other hand, we know that、uh, in the recent weeks, especially、uh, during the past months, that the United States there、uh, they tried. To impose more and more pressure against Iran and against this very、uh, specific back,、uh, backdrop, that we know that there were very, very、uh, a large amount of the political and the military groups. Some of the groups are very, very small, and maybe just a dozen or hundreds of members, but they have very, very close ties with、uh, Iran. So, against this backdrop, the United States believes that、uh, these groups. Which has very close ties with Tehran might、uh, launch attacks against some、uh, some of the, the staff, especially the government staff in the Iraq. So that it is necessary, the United States believe to withdraw some of the non、uh, uh, the, the urgent and、uh, not not very necessary、uh, staff of the embassy and the consulate in inside Iraq to withdraw them back to the states. Uh, so that that shows this kind of the concerns, and、uh, that shows the United States worries that the increasing threat from Iran. This is, I think, this is a very their their major their major desire to show that they be concerned more and more, increasingly, over Iran. 
Well, but talking about the threat from Iran, Chris Kika, the deputy commander of the U.S.-led military coalition against ISIS, um, he said that he saw no increased risk from Iran or allied militias in Iraq or Syria. But a few hours later, the U.S. general, uh, the, the U.S. Central Command issued a rebuke of that, saying that those remarks run counter to the identified credible threat available to intelligence from U.S. and allies regarding Iranian-backed forces in the region. How do you read the conflicting messages from within the anti-ISIS coalition about the general threat threat level posed by Iran? Yeah, the the very first uh, opinion of mine is that I think that both of them are correct. That the general craze, he, he, I think he's, his argument is that yes, the threat is there, but the the number of the milita- military staffs and the, the, the militias of the of the Iran or Tehran backed. Uh, the, 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 the members inside, uh, Iraq or inside Syria still maintain the relatively the same as before. So the threat level is maybe not, uh, may not be increased very significantly, uh, during the past time, uh, maybe during the past week or in the very, very short term future. But, uh, from the perspective of the central command, we know that they just had a new commander. Uh, and also they have the new uh, aircraft carrier now, so they have to show the more uh, stronger stance against Iran to show more pressure against Iran. So against this backdrop, they believe that, okay, it's time to show to to, to show more uh, to show more uh, kind of the landscape of the the standoff or this kind of the competition and rivalry in this region. So this is why the clear remarks seem very different, even opposite. But it also shows that even in, inside the United States, I mean, especially in, inside the United States military ranks, that they have different opinions over Iran. They have the different opinions how to uh, measure, how to handle, and how to uh, how to cope with the Iran's so-called threat in this region. I am Pei, the versatile architect who revived the Louvre with a giant glass pyramid, has uh, died at the age of 102. Pei's death was confirmed Thursday by Mark Diamond. A spokesman for Pei's New York architectural firm, Pei Cobb Freed and Partners. His buildings added elegance to landscapes worldwide with their powerful geometric shapes and grand spaces. Among them are the striking steel and glass Bank of China skyscraper in Hong Kong and the Fragrant Hill Hotel near Beijing. His work spanned decades, starting in the late 1940s and continuing through the new millennium. U.S. President Donald Trump has unveiled a plan to reform the nation's immigration system, intended to favor high-skilled immigrants and restrict family-based migration. Speaking at the White House, Trump said the biggest change is to increase the proportion of highly skilled immigra- uh, immigrants from 12 percent to 57 percent. He suggested the ratio may go even higher if needed. He said a big proportion of the immigrants must come in through merit and skill. And he added that the immigrants under the plan will all also be required to learn English and to pass a civics exam prior to admission. According to the White House, the proposal will tighten family-based migration to focus on allowing nuclear families who migrate to the United States rather than extended family members. The CEO of German carmaker BMW highlighted growing China sales as well as his company's contributions to the U.S. economy at the firm's annual meeting. BMW and other carmakers face challenges and higher costs as they try to transition to electric vehicles. And Iris Spitzer reports from Berlin. BMW's CEO Harold Kruger says he's optimistic for the future of his luxury brand in China 
in spite of the recent slowdown in car sales in the world's largest auto market. Speaking at an annual meeting of shareholders in Munich, Germany, he stressed that China continues to be central to BMW's strategy. China remains a growth market, and we continue to grow in China and with China. With our six plants in Shenyang, we will soon be able to locally produce up to 650,000 vehicles annually. Despite the optimism, BMW and other German car makers are facing stiff headwinds. The country's big three, BMW, Volkswagen and Daimler, have lost ground to competitors like Tesla in electric vehicles. Experts such as Martin Gornig of the German Institute for Economic Research say Germany's automakers have been reluctant to embrace the transition because the combustion engine, and diesel in particular, has long delivered them reliable profits. Diesel was the business model. It was the model to create machines that had huge success, and no one wanted to let that go. BMW is planning to have 12 electric car models by 2025, Although Kruger told shareholders he wanted to be cautious about only focusing on electric, pointing out that plug-in hybrid and fuel cell vehicles could also gain traction. Another area of ongoing concern are the tariffs that U.S. President Donald Trump has threatened on foreign car makers. Kruger, though, said he believes that his company has a positive impact on the American economy. We secure close to 70,000 jobs in the United States directly and indirectly. Our biggest plant worldwide is in Spurtenburg for the past 25 years. Until the end of 2018, we invested around $9 billion, with a further $600 million until 2021. We, ladies and gentlemen, strengthen the U.S. economy. U.S. import tariffs aren't the only ones that BMW is worried about. Last week, the company announced that it has increased production of its X3 SUVs in both the U.S. and China. That could reduce its exposure to the trade tariffs between those two countries. For CRI, I'm Ira Spitzer in Berlin. We're at 26 minutes past the hour. Missouri's Republican-led Senate has passed a bill to ban abortions at eight weeks of pregnancy. The senators approved the legislation 24 to 10 early on Thursday. Governor Mike Parson called for the state Senate to vote on it. The unborn deserves a up-and-down vote, that right yet to live. And that's what we should be all doing, and that's what we're dedicated to do. That's why it's important for this legislation to get done. It's important for this legislation to get done right now. And we're until 6 o'clock on Friday. I really believe this legislation will get done because I believe it is the will of the people and the people's voices will be heard. The bill only allows exceptions in cases of medical emergencies, but not for rape or incest. Senate Democrats slammed the bill for hours on Wednesday before Republicans had a chance to bring it up for debate. It needs at least another vote of approval in the GOP-led House before it can go to the governor. Kentucky, Mississippi, Ohio, and Georgia have approved bans on abortion once a fetal heartbeat is detected. Alabama's governor signed a near-total abortion ban on Wednesday.
Theresa May's promise to set a timetable for the election of her successor after the next Brexit vote in the first week of June. The agreement follows a meeting between the Prime Minister and senior Tory MPs who are demanding a date for her departure from Downing Street. If she loses the vote on her Brexit plan, already rejected three times, she has said she will resign. Senior Tory Graham Brady says he'll meet May again in June to agree on details. We've agreed a position, agreed a statement, uh, which is to say that she is determined to secure Britain's departure from the European Union, that she is focused on securing the second reading of the withdrawal agreement bill, and that that will take place in the week commencing the 3rd of June, and that following that second reading, she and I will meet to agree a timetable for the election of a new leader of the Conservative Party. That's the position agreed by the Prime Minister and the 1922 Executive. May survived a confidence vote by Conservative MPs at the end of last year, and party rules mean she cannot formally be challenged again until December. It's time for a short break on the Beijing Hour. Still to come, in business, rising inflows of foreign direct investment in China. In sports, a record-breaking round at the PGA Championships. Entertainment, an Indian movie star says he wants to promote Chinese films back home. Shane Bigham with you. Stay with us here on the Beijing Hour. You're listening to the Beijing Hour. 60 minutes of comprehensive news, your window on China and the world. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you by China Radio International. Shane Begum with you on this Friday morning. Still to come in business, a Chinese coffee chain is set to make its trading debut on the Nasdaq. In sports, Roger Federer finishes off two opponents on the same day at the Italian Open. In entertainment, the Asian Youth Cultural Exchange has been held in Beijing. Get in touch with us by email beijinghour at cri.com.cn. On Twitter and Facebook, search for China Plus News. Download the China Plus app or visit chinaplus.cri.cn for the latest news and information from China Radio International. Now checking the day's headline news, Philippine Trade and Industry Secretary Raymond Lopez says his country gained real and acute benefits from joining the Belt and Road Initiative. He says the Philippines' active participation in the BRI has brought more investment and trade to the country. Data from the Philippine Board of Investment shows that China topped the list of foreign investors in the Philippines in 2018 with 48.7 billion pesos worth of investment. Uh, start, or rather, according to the Secretary, the Philippines also gained in the trading sector since it joined the BRI. The secretary also predicts the Philippines will continue to reap the benefits from China's initiative. He says the Philippines is looking forward to its participation in the China International Import Expo once again for the second time later on this year. Boeing said on Thursday that it has completed software updates and tests for the 737 MAX planes. The planes have been grounded worldwide since March, following two deadly air crashes in a span of five months. It added that it's flown the 737 MAX with an updated flight control system for more than 360 hours on over 200 flights. Following the two deadly air crashes, the company's been uh, under mounting pressure to improve air safety. Boeing's CEO says the company has uh, finished all of the engineering test flights for the software update and is preparing for the final certification flight. 
Algerian oil giant Sonatrac and Italy's Eni signed agreements on the purchase and transport of natural gas on Thursday. The first agreement concerns the renewal of the contract for the purchase of Algerian natural gas. The second involves the transfer of natural gas through the Trans-Mediterranean Pipeline. Sonatrac and Eni have also agreed to, uh, or reached an agreement rather, to renew the 1977 contract for the purchase and sale of natural gas every 10 years. The agreement allows Sonatrac to strengthen its standing in the Italian market as one of the most important suppliers of natural gas. Italy is considered one of the main destinations for Algerian natural gas. Former uh, Australian Prime Minister uh, Bob Hawke has died at his home in Sydney. He passed away on uh, Thursday at the age of 89. The former Labour Party leader served as Prime Minister from 1983 to 1991. He's credited with wide-ranging and transformative reforms in Australia, including the floating of the dollar, the opening of the economy to global competition, and the introduction of uh, Medicare. Current Labour leader Bill Shorten described Hawke as one of the party's greatest sons. A state funeral in Sydney is expected to be announced in the following days. It's 34 minutes past the hour, turning to business news, and we'll start with the closing numbers in North America and Europe. U.S. stocks traded higher on Thursday as investors weighed strong earnings from Walmart and Cisco Systems against global trade prospects. Walmart earnings beat analysts' expectations for the first quarter. The company reported total revenue of more than $123 billion U.S. billion for the first three months of the year. Shares of Walmart rose more than 2% to trade at $102 apiece. Cisco Systems also reported better-than-expected quarterly earnings, sending its stock up 6.8%. At the closing bell, the Dow rose by 0.8%. The S&P 500 was up by 0.9%. The Nasdaq added 1%. Major stocks finished higher on Thursday in Europe, with shares in Germany leading the region. At the closing bell, the UK's FTSE 100 increased by 8 tenths of a percent. Germany's DAX added 1.7%. And France's CAC 40 surged more than 1.3%. Foreign direct investment into the Chinese mainland was over 300 billion yuan during the first four months of the year. The figure expanded 6.4% year-on-year. FDI in April alone reached 62 billion yuan, up 6.3% from a year earlier. China's non-financial outbound direct investment reached 233 billion yuan during the period, up 3.3% year-on-year. U.S. management investment firm Altava says it'll commence selling the American depository shares of e-commerce giant Alibaba tomorrow. The firm plans to sell the ADSs through open market transactions or through private dispositions. An ADS is a U.S. dollar-denominated equity share of a foreign-based company issued in the U.S. for purchase on a U.S. stock exchange. The amount and pricing of the ADS remains unstated. Chinese coffee brand Luckin Coffee is making its trading debut on the Nasdaq. The company's looking to raise around 600 million US dollars through the IPO. The IPO price range is expected to be between 15 and 17 US dollars per share. Luckin opened its doors for the first time only in 2017, and the company currently has more than 2,300 stores across the country. Only Starbucks has more at 3,600 stores in China. With more on this, we're joined on the line with Doug Young, the company News Chief with the English edition of Saishin. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, so uh, first up, uh, how did the, this company, Luckin Coffee, get so big so quickly? Oh, they got 
big uh, quickly by by spending lots of money and and opening lots of stores. Um, this is a company that that goes through cash really quickly. Um, I can't remember the numbers, but they they probably spent a, a billion more than a billion dollars to date. I think um, so. They they you know if you give somebody enough cash, you I don't know if you remember uh, two three years ago. I'm sure you do. How uh, Mobike and Ofo got big really quickly. Uh, they went from like zero to having zillions of bikes on the streets of Beijing and Shanghai and lots of other cities uh, because they had a lot of money. They went out and bought a lot of bikes and they stuck them on the street. Well, uh, we call Luck and the the uh, shared bicycle company of, of coffee stores. They, they've just gone out and you know, found lots of spaces and open stores all over the place. Well, assuming this IPO uh, performs as expected, the company is getting another six hundred million U.S. dollars. So, uh, what is the company expected to do with that money raised by the IPO? Well, like we just said, uh, this is a company that doesn't seem to have any issues uh, spending money. Uh, they, you mentioned, I think two thousand three hundred stores now, and I, I think I read they plan to have or they, they want to have something like four thousand something. Say they won't actually have more than Starbucks. Starbucks has three thousand something, and you know, uh, well, you probably don't know, but uh, Starbucks got to where they are now, which is about three thousand odd stores over twenty years. They they came to China, I think, in nineteen ninety nine or ninety eight, somewhere around there. And uh, Luckin thinks they can do that in in two years, do that in more, actually. So, uh, in answer to your question, what are they going to do with this money? Um, I think. It goes without saying they're going to just keep keep opening stores and, and selling their coffee at big discounts. Um, they do say in their IPO prospectus, the cost of customer acquisition is going down a bit. So maybe they aren't spending quite as much on promotions as they were before, but they're, they're still pretty aggressive in that area, too. Well, how do the uh, established competitors respond to this then? I mean, uh, what move does Starbucks or any of the many other smaller coffee chains doing business in China need to do to protect market share from the rapidly expanding Luckin franchise? Well, that's a good question. I think Starbucks has taken a hit from these guys. Uh, the smaller coffee chains, to be honest, I think a lot of them weren't getting a ton of business to start with, so... Uh, now maybe their business is going down even more. They, it is uh, important to point out that Luckin uh, really does cater to a particular niche of the coffee market. Basically, people who want to buy coffee and then just, you know, I call it coffee on the go. You see it a lot in the West. People just buy a coffee and then leave and drink it at their office or drink it on the way to the office or wherever on their way going. Whereas a lot of the coffee shops, including Starbucks, are, are more designed for you know people who want to actually have their coffee in the in the establishment and sit down with their friends or business contacts or whatever. So they are going after slightly different markets, but I'm, I'm sure <laughs> Starbucks and, and all these other guys are, are taking a hit and, and maybe you know they're doing some promotions. But I I haven't noticed a whole lot with Starbucks. Maybe. Okay, well then, uh, in your opinion, is uh, Luckin Coffee a Chinese phenomenon only? I mean, they've been uh, building their business also with steep discounts on coffee. So is it a China thing, or does this U.S. IPO signal that we can expect maybe a, a global push in the near future? 
Well, actually, it's an interesting concept. I I think it's more suited, excuse <laughs> me, to Europe or, or or the U.S. because people you do have much more of a sort of a coffee on the go culture in those places. I really don't think China has that kind of a culture. Um, but I I haven't heard them say they're going to go to the U.S. It would be interesting to see if uh, that kind of a chain could could thrive there. I I personally don't think Luckin is going to survive long enough to, to get to the international expansion because I just think they're, they're, they're going to too much cash and, and they're not going to be able to keep tapping investors forever uh, because people are going to want to start seeing some, some profit. Um, but you never know. It does seem like an interesting model that might work better in a more mature market, like I said, like the U.S. or Europe, where people are sort of used to just buying their coffee and then leaving immediately. Um, so, you know, who knows? But uh, again, I doubt they're going to survive that long. Well, thank you very much for joining us this morning. That's Doug Young, the company news chief with the English edition of Saishin. What matters to China increasingly matters to the world. Keep up to date with the latest news and events about the Middle Kingdom with the China Plus app. Up-to-the-minute reports, live streaming audio, insightful opinion on everything China-related. Facts, figures, and language learning resources at your fingertips. Everything in focus, all in one place. Search for China Plus in the App Store or Google Play. Turning to sports now, here's Yang Guang. Thank you, Shane. Starting with golf, Brooks Kopka began his PGA Championship title defense as the clubhouse leader after the first round. He broke the course record, hitting 7-under-63 and sits four shots ahead of Tommy Fleetwood of the UK. I wouldn't say there's there's very many guys. Um, you know that was that was one of the best rounds I've played probably as a professional. Um, this golf course is is brutal. Uh, if you're not going to drive it, it, like I said, it tests every asset of your game. You got to drive the ball straight. It's long, so you got to hit it far. Really position yourself with some of these shots in. Tiger Woods, who ended an 11-year wait to win a major at Masters last month, struggled in the opening round. Too many bogeys left him nine shots behind the three-time major winner Kopka. I didn't didn't take advantage of my opportunities there. You know, I I thought I hit a good drive at at one or sorry ten, and up in the you know I had no lie and 17 I hit up against the face and it plugs and we get down there and there's no no sand except for rocks. You know it was just bizarre. I fought my way back around there, and unfortunately, I just didn't keep it together at the end. China's Li Haotong also had a poor start, falling into a ten-shot deficit after the first round. World number one Dustin Johnson and Rory McIlroy are now in action among late starters. In tennis, Roger Federer won twice to reach the quarterfinals at the Italian Open after rain washed out Wednesday's play. The Swiss player beat Rural Sosa in straight sets. Then he saved two match points to rally past the Bona Chorich, two six six four seven six. Yeah, it was very tight. I got very lucky again uh, today, already like in uh, in Madrid. So it's it's nice to get lucky, I guess. You know, sometimes and uh, I've lost a lot of heartbreakers too. You know, throughout the years. So it's nice to to win these. And the atmosphere was fantastic. Uh, people were going crazy. It's exactly how the, you want the atmosphere to be. And uh, you know, Bona is a Great guy, super fair play, and、um, you know it was tough, it was rowdy crowds, but、uh, it was fair, so it was, it was good. 
Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic both claimed the straight sets victories to reach the last eight. Meantime, Nick Kyrgios was again involved in controversy and was disqualified from the tournament for unsportsmanlike conduct. Losing 2-1 in the deciding set against the qualifier Casper Ruud, Kyrgios vented his frustration towards the crowd and the chair umpire, throwing his racket to the ground. Then he kicked over a bottle, a water bottle, and threw a chair onto the court. Kyrgios was handed a game penalty by the umpire and will lose $37,000 in prize money and 45 ATP points. On the women's side, Naomi Osaka held on to the world number one ranking with the consecutive 6-3, 6-3 wins over Dominika Tsubikova and Mihaila Kuzumoku.、Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I was just... I didn't really think too much about being tired because I knew my fitness level would hold up anyways if I did have to play three sets. But、um, I was just mainly thinking about not like, putting myself in a situation to win in two. Elsewhere, Simona Halep surprisingly lost to Czech teenager Maketa Vondrosova in three sets. Johanna Konta moved into the quarterfinals with back-to-back victories over Grand Slam champions Sloane Stephens and Venice Williams. In cycling, Italian rider Fausto Masnada claimed his first victory in Grand Tour by winning the sixth stage of the Giro d'Italia. His compatriot Valerio Conti finished second and seized the overall lead from Primoz Roglic, who was involved in an early crash. The Italian duel was in a two-man breakaway for nearly 30 kilometers, and Conti then allowed Masnada to grab, to grab the stage win without contesting the sprint. Roglic had worn the pink jersey since winning the opening time trial on Saturday, but fell heavily on Thursday and is now five minutes behind the top spot. Today's seventh stage is a hilly route with a distance of 185 kilometers. Frankfurt striker Luka Jovic is on the verge of joining Real Madrid. Reports say Real will complete a 60 million euro deal to acquire the Serbian striker on a five-year contract. The 21-year-old has scored 27 goals in Bundesliga and Europe this season, as Frankfurt battled to a semi-final of the UEFA Europa League before their elimination against Chelsea. Jovic represents the start of the rebuilding process under coach Zinedine Zidane after his return to Madrid. Former NBA superstar Dirk Nowitzki has been named the global ambassador for the forthcoming FIBA World Cup in China. He took the role to join NBA legends Yao Ming and Kobe Bryant to promote the 32-team tournament, which opens in August. Last month, Nowitzki ended his 21-year NBA career spent nearly entirely with the Dallas Mavericks. The seven-foot shooter led Germany to a third-place finish at the World Cup in 2012, its best result and the nation's only podium finish at the event. He was also named MVP of that tournament. In the NBA, the Milwaukee Bucks rallied in the final minutes to beat the Toronto Raptors 108-100 yesterday in Game One of the Eastern Conference Finals. Brook Lopez was the hero for Milwaukee, scoring 13 of his 29 points in the fourth quarter. He only managed the 27 points in the previous five games in the second round series against the Boston Celtics. You know, I, I think it just—it、uh, was—I think it was definitely needed. You know,、uh, it goes to show. You know, we can close games out. Thank you, Jonas, in、uh, multiple ways in different fashion. You know, we have a lot of confidence in this group, and all throughout the season in the playoffs, different guys have been stepping up.、Uh, different guys have been having big nights, and you know, it, it was definitely good to see us win in a different way tonight. You know,、uh, I, I think you know going forward.、Uh, We'd be all right though if、uh, 
they weren't all like that. The Raptors' Kawhi Leonard scored 31 points on the night, but only contributed two points in the final quarter. This morning, Beijing time, the Golden State Warriors will take on the Portland Trail Blazers at home in Game Two of the Western Conference Finals. Golden State has a one-nothing series lead. Kevin Durant will continue missing action due to a strained calf. In the NHL, the San Jose Sharks tied their game with the St. Louis Blues late in the third period, and they won the game on a controversy goal in overtime. Shane, what happened? Well,、uh, the goal probably shouldn't have counted. It appears the、uh, Sharks' forward Timo Meyer made a hand pass to Eric Carlson, which is not permitted. However, the officials missed it, or at least they didn't whistle the play dead. And Carlson scored. Now the Sharks have a two-one series lead. The Blues had been sixty-one seconds away from winning the game in regulation, so it's a very tough loss for St. Louis.、Uh, today's action: the Carolina Hurricanes are in a must-win situation on home ice, down three nothing in their series. Against the Boston Bruins, if they lose, their season's over, and the Bruins will advance to the Stanley Cup Finals and get to rest while the Sharks and Blues settle their Western Conference series.、Uh, today's game starts in a few minutes. Major League Baseball: the action from early this morning. The Washington Nationals got past the New York Mets seven six. The games that followed were、uh, blowouts, three of them.、Uh, the Brewers beat the Phillies eleven three. The Athletics destroyed the Tigers seventeen three, and it was the Rangers taking a sixteen three win over the Royals.、Uh, the game.、Uh, Uh, games between the Orioles and Indians, Cubs and Reds, and the Cardinals at the Braves are now underway. Coming up at、uh, after ten o'clock, the Minnesota Twins visit the Seattle Mariners, and the Pittsburgh Pirates、uh, take the field against the San Diego Padres. ChinaPlus.cri.cn is your home for everything you want to know about China. The latest news in China and everything China-related from around the world. Everything in focus, all in one place. Bringing you vital information for your business and travel, Chinese culture, language learning, and more. ChinaPlus.cri.cn. ChinaPlus.cri.cn. Your portal into today's Middle Kingdom. Turning to entertainment news, an Indian actor Amir Khan says that he hopes to introduce and promote Chinese films back home. Even in India, they don't watch world cinema; they only watch Indian films. However, in China, I've noticed that a large audience is watching. Indian films. That shows that the Chinese audience is very open-minded to different cultures, and stories and characters from different places. And it's a very rare quality, and it is a quality that we should learn from. That is one of the reasons I want to take back films from China back home to India, so that the people of India can also see、uh, films from China. And get to know the stories of people of China and their culture. Khan's known for Bollywood blockbusters such as Dengal. The actor made the remarks before joining the Asian Film and TV Week, which is part of the Conference on Dialogue of Asian Civilizations. Khan says both China and India have huge movie markets with the vast audience. He says he wishes that both sides take a step forward by paying more attention to the markets outside of their own nations, and suggests they make more co-productions. The Asian Film and TV Week aims to promote Mutual learning and exchanges among Asian civilizations through film and TV. The Asian Youth Cultural Exchange event was held in Beijing as part of the Conference on Dialogue of Asian Civilizations. More than 240 young people from Asian countries participated in the event, savoring traditional Chinese culture such as Peking Opera. Director David Chua of Singapore's National Youth Council said participants of the activity were immersed in the unique charm of the performance. It helps to deepen our understanding. Actually, when you look at the opera, 
There are many things that we can identify through the roles you can build a shared identity and you realise there are many more things in common that we share across Asia and in China. Aside from youth activities, a week-long Asian Civilization Parade showcasing the continent's diverse and charming civilizations has also kicked off in Beijing. The parade runs uh, twice a day in the Olympic Park until May 22nd. Costume performers from 16 countries and 10 domestic performance teams will present festive songs and dances to showcase the distinctive charm of Asian civilizations. Hollywood's Pokemon detective Pikachu continues to top the Chinese mainland box office. It features the voice of Ryan Reynolds as Pikachu. Hey, bud. What are you doing? I can't do it when people are watching. The animated film grossed nearly 18 million yuan, or around 2.6 million U.S. dollars, on Wednesday. It was followed by Disney and Marvel's Avengers Endgame, which took in around 9.7 million yuan. Coming in third was the Lebanese film Capernaum, which earned another uh, 6.3 million yuan. Elton John and the stars of his biopic, Rocket Man, walked the red carpet steps at the Cannes International Film Festival for the film's world premiere. Uh, joining John was David Furnish and the film's actors, Taron Egerton, Richard Madden, and director Dexter Fletcher. I could hear the whole tune in my head. Rocketman stars Egerton as the British singer and pianist. He's, uh, it's directed by Fletcher, who stepped in uh, to helm the Freddie Mercury biopic Bohemian Rhapsody after Brian Singer was fired. Rocketman's produced by John himself and is showing out of competition at this year's Cannes Film Festival. While attending the London launch of Catch-22, George Clooney praised the cast of his six-part limited series. You know, we were in Sardinia for the, the start of it for about uh, three months. Out on a you know beautiful island in Italy, it wasn't bad. You know, not a bad way to, to go to work every morning, um, but it was really fun. They're all game, and they're all young actors. And the, I remember being a young actor and getting those kind of films where everybody got to go away, and it's, it was fun. I was I was jealous of the, sort of their ex, uh, their experience. One of those young actors uh, Clooney was referring to is Christopher Abbott, who plays Yasarian, a U.S. Air Force bombardier in uh, World War II dark comedy based on Joseph Heller's novel of the same name. Abbott said, finding a balance between the absurdist humor and grave subject matter was a challenge, but that's why he uh, what he looks for, for in a role. I mean, it is. I mean, it's challenging, but that's always what you want because it keeps it exciting if you have that much, you know, you have that much, there's a lot to chew on. There's that much to do. I want to give credit to David and Luke who wrote the scripts because I think that's the hardest thing is to kind of marry the tones of uh, absurdist comedy and uh, harrowing drama all at the same time. So then for me, it's really just up to, it's up to me to just kind of play the truth of all of those things and kind of have the through line in that way. Well, his character, Yasserian, ultimately finds that bureaucracy is as much an enemy as the actual enemy. Also on the red carpet were co-stars Tessa Fair and Kyle Chandler. Uh, Cast 22 premieres on video site Hulu in the U.S. and is showing on Channel 4 in the U.K. in June. The Rolling Stones announced new dates for their rescheduled No Filter North American Tour. The tour was originally expected to start April 20th in Miami. The band was forced to postpone their performances after frontman Mick Jagger underwent medical treatment in April, reportedly for a heart valve issue. Uh, Jagger tweeted that he was devastated that the band couldn't tour at the time. The Stones will now kick off in Chicago with a couple of shows late next month, and the tour will round up in uh, Miami on August 31st. 
56 past the hour. Beijing today, cloudy and 33 degrees Celsius. Overnight temperatures around 20. Chongqing will be cloudy and 31. Thunder showers tonight, a low of 23. Lhasa will be cloudy and 20, a low of 7. Lancho sunny and 30, a low of 15. Elsewhere in Asia, Islamabad will get moderate rainfall and 30 degrees. Kabul is getting a light rain and 18. Over to North America, Washington, D.C. is expecting a light rainfall and 30 degrees Celsius. And that's it for this edition of the Beijing Hour. Making news this morning, the International Conference on Artificial Intelligence and Education is underway in Beijing, and China uh, has a plan to boost digital technologies in rural areas to spur development. On behalf of the staff, Shane Bigham in the Chinese capital, hoping you'll join us for the next edition of the Beijing Hour and open a window to the world together.